All right, here we go. Off and running on another episode of the Final Score Podcast. Welcome in, everyone. Greg Swatek of the Frederick News Post Sports Department here with you. And on this week's episode, in uh, lieu of March Madness beginning, we will have a Ligonor graduate and UNC Charlotte women's basketball coach, Kara Consuegra, on the podcast this week. Uh, Her 49ers take on Indiana University at Assembly Hall on Saturday afternoon on ESPN2. So we'll talk to Coach Consuegra about the, uh, the matchup Saturday and about her team's run to the tournament. It, it, it's been a while since they've been to the big dance. Uh, 2009 was their last appearance. So, so why have the 49ers been able to do it this year? Or, or what was, was worked really well for them? And just how exciting has this run been for them? So we'll uh, look forward to catching up with uh, Coach Consuegra in just a few minutes. But first, it is my distinct pleasure to welcome in the newest member of the Frederick News Post sports staff. His name is Alexander Dacey. Alexander, welcome, sir. Welcome aboard. Thank you. I'm very excited to be here. Yeah, just just tell everyone about your background and, and, and how you wound up with us. Yeah, so uh, I am a recent graduate of the University of Maryland. I graduated back in December. Uh, I've been I worked at the college paper there. I was a sports editor for the past year and a half. Um, and in my, you know, downtime between graduating and coming here, I did some freelance work, did some high school stuff, some college stuff. Um, and then I found that the news post had an opening and I was like, I want to stay local. Uh, I'm from Silver Spring. So I want to stay, you know, somewhat close to home. And I was like, shoot, this is perfect. I mean, I can kind of hit the ground running you know i'm coming in right between winter and spring sports so it's kind of a good time for everyone well what are your favorite sports to cover so baseball first and foremost i mean i've always been a huge baseball fan played baseball all my life growing up um you know there's just something kind of about the pacing of the game that i that i like it's very easy to kind of pick out little moments to to find and you know find to write about um and also especially if you're covering like a like a longer season you can it kind of forces you to be creative with how you write, you know, because you don't want to, you, you don't want to write the same thing over and over and over again. Um, so baseball for sure. Um, I also have uh, some experience covering football and basketball. Um, I like football more again, because it's a little more kind of regimented. Basketball is definitely a challenge because there's not a ton of stoppages and everything can change pretty quickly. So um, I do like it, though, but I definitely would probably say baseball and football are my top two. Al- Alexander is a uh, graduate of Montgomery Blair High School. And how often would you come up and play? And you played baseball there. How often yeah. would you come up and play Frederick County teams? So the only time I can remember explicitly during a during like an actual season um, coming up here was actually my last game in high school. Uh, this would have been May of 2018. Uh, we were we had been re sort of reshuffled into uh, a new region for my senior year, and in when, come playoff time, we were in a region with Urbana. So we had we our first round game was against like a local a local rival. We beat them, and then we were the three seed. Urbana was the two seed, so we came up here uh, to play them, and we lost eight nothing. And I came in, I was a pinch hitter, got the final up out of the game, and I grounded out to second base. And that Oh, my was, gosh. You, were, you had the final out in the game. That was the final out in the game of the season, end of my high school baseball career. Um, so 
that's 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 kind of that's kind of my um my like experience with them in like a sort of intensive regular season well, play. Yeah, you got to you got to describe that at bat for me. I mean, the the, the season's on the line. Just what 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 what's the, what's the what's the pulse rate? What what are the nerves like? What, so, what's the pressure like in that so situation? So we're down eight nothing, and I it's the seventh inning, two outs. I'm like, okay, I know we're we're probably not gonna win this game, but I was like, at least just have a good at bat. Just get on base, you know. Just, just, just try to do what you can to extend it. And I don't remember exactly what count I worked, um, but I remember I made good contact with the ball. Uh, but as was often the case when I played in high school, it was always right at somebody, and so this was just a pretty easy like it was. It was hard contact, but it was just a pretty easy one hopper right at the second baseman. And I remember running down and being like. Well, this is probably it, but I just got to run as hard as I've ever ran, and I'm not a very fast runner. <laughs> um, and the the throw beat me by a couple steps, but I was just like, you know, in the moment I was like, oh man, I just ended my season and my career probably that way. But I was at, on the other hand, I was like, at least it wasn't like a you know like like a strikeout like, looking like or a strikeout like looking like, like yeah. I, I I gave effort, I tried. You know, and it just wasn't meant to be. Yeah, but was it a horrible walk back to the dugout? Was, was there a lot? No, no eye contact, eye contact being made. And no, stuff like that, I mean or? we were all, we had all. I think it was kind of at the point in the game where we'd all kind of accepted like what was going to happen, and it was just like someone had to end it, and I guess that someone was me. <laughs> yeah, right, you you drew the short straw. I drew there. the short straw, but the the good thing was I had so I had been designated a lot for that game along with a couple other people to basically be like our sort of like go-to relievers um because i when i played i was primarily a pitcher and then i'd I'd come off the bench in dh sometimes um i i was never a great defender so usually and because i'm tall they stuck me at first base but we also had like four other first basemen so it was like there's no need for me you know if, if if i'm like a you know a good enough pitcher and i can hit somewhat well might as well use me for that so I remember I didn't even like take infield outfield like warmups with the team. They were like, you are, we were using you as a pitcher. And then in the seventh inning, when it became clear that we were probably just done, my coach was like, all right, like go get a helmet. Like I'm going <laughs> to want you to, like he wanted to get, you know, all the seniors who weren't playing kind of one last, right. one last round of at bats. And so I, I ended up drawing the last, the very last one. Oh my gosh. That's horrible. How, how good was your stuff as a pitcher? Um, it was, so I was not, a, I was not really like a stuff person. Um, I pitched to contact like okay. pretty much exclusively. Um, I like threw, I kind of regularly threw a lot of strikes. And so I never threw hard, but I was good at locating and I had, you know, a de- decent fastball to seamer change up occasional curveball. So nothing like, no, not a crazy palette, but you know, enough to like, basically get get hitters a swing just kind of either drive it in the ground or just kind of pop it straight up in the air um um, i think my my proudest pitching moment uh this was in a summer league game i think in 2016 i had a four pitch inning followed by an eight pitch inning and followed by 12 pitch inning so i had 24 pitches in three innings you're you're gonna be the closer pretty soon yeah so, so so that was kind of me when i pitched was like i would never nothing flashy but it was like I just forced a lot of kind of easy, easy contact um, that my defense would most of the time 
bail me out on. <laughs> what, what, were, what were the MPHs on the fastball? So typically sat, I think my senior year, I sat like mid seventies. So okay. nothing like kind of just like an average high school fastball, nothing crazy. But, yeah. Yeah. But yeah. It, it got the job done. It you, got the job you, done. You, you got out. Yeah. So, so did you ever come to Frederick uh, growing up with, with family and friends or was Frederick some faraway land uh, <laughs> up, 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 up 270? So yes and no. So I do have family uh, who is in this area. Um, I've had, you know, family who's had a house here. Um, more kind of up 26 so kind of more on the north north end of town and so we'd have like family usually like Easter Christmas gatherings that kind of stuff um, we'd have that you know once twice a year and we'd come up here for that and when I was younger it was only 45 minutes away but when I was younger that felt like an eternity um, you know and then and then obviously as I you know as I grew older and we, we would come up here I'd realize oh it's not actually that far um, you know but handful of times a year we'd come up here um sometimes you know we'd come up to go to go to the restaurants or because we have a couple of restaurants that we like up here so you know it, it was an occasional thing but not you know not definitely not like an all day every day kind of kind of trip for us right and, yeah. and as you as you can imagine as a silver spring native yeah. uh, alexander falls on the washington uh sports side of things a uh, big Nats fan, and mm-hmm. I'll ask you about the Nats World Series win in a second. Mm-hmm. But Nats, Caps, yeah, um, you disavowed the Commanders. I disavowed the Commanders uh, be, because of Dan Snyder. Because of Dan Snyder, and that was that was as of a, that was as of a couple years ago. Um, if any of my family members are listening to this who are diehard Washington football team slash Commanders fans, I'm very sorry. But also not sorry. <laughs> yeah, because you guys had uh, you guys had season tickets growing yeah, up. Yeah, so my family uh, and my family has had season tickets for the for the Washington Football Team Commanders, um, it, season tickets in the family going back to the mid fifties. Yeah, and we all finally gave those up in the last couple of years, and so now, it, you know, part part of it is again just like there's not interest. Part of it is Dan Snyder. Part of it is cost. Like it's ludicrously expensive to go to one of those games and to get what a mediocre at best product. It's not. It's really just not worth it. Right. And again, like even for me, I wasn't going to games. Like the last time I think I went to a game was, shoot, probably 2016 at this yeah. point. Right. So. And the team, I'm a I'm a Browns fan, so I know the drill. The team has stunk for years, so they've given you nothing to really cheer for, mm-hmm. uh, uh, too. So, on, and on top of all the stuff that's going on with the ownership in the front office, it, it, it's a bit of a it's a bit of a mess. It, it's it's rough. <laughs> yeah, right. And uh, not a big NBA guy because the Wizards haven't given you uh, much to much to cheer for. Yeah, yeah. I'll I'll keep an eye on them, but I, I've I've. I've always preferred the college game to the NBA. I think it's just like a style. I think it's just a style of play thing. Um, you know, the, the NBA it, at times it is, it is interesting, especially like when you get towards like the finals, I think it's a little more interesting to watch, but I don't know. I've always just kind of preferred the style of play of college. Plus college can be very, can, can be kind of very random sometimes. So you'll get, you know, you know, like a top team may just have an off night and just get embarrassed by like, you know, a middling to bad team. You don't totally get that in the in the NBA. So I kind of like the unpredictability of it and the style. And again, it's uh, it's a better atmosphere, I think, too. Um, but and also, again, like like you said, the Wizards. I'll keep an eye on them, but 
haven't been great so yeah for forever forever right? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah i mean making the playoffs is like is that that's like the big accomplishment yeah so so the greatest moment of your washington sports fandom was the nats world series win yeah probably the nats world series win a couple years ago um this is this is sort of one of whenever people ask me for a fun fact this is my one of my go-to's is that i was at the first ever nats home game april 14th 2005 when they played the Arizona Diamondbacks and won five to three, it was at the old RFK Stadium in DC, and so it's 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 one of those things where it's like very rarely can you consider yourself like a day one fan of a team, but that's that's the Nats for me, and so I've always had a deep love for them, and I mean they were just terrible up in you know the first six years seven years of their existence, and then 2012 happened, and they were great. And then they've, they, you know, through 2019, they were, they were finally great. And finally it paid off. And it was, and it was such a, it was so weird. Cause it was just like of their five playoff teams in the 2010s, that was by far their worst, but yeah, they, they were what? 25 and uh, what was, what so was they the were so record? Yeah. 15, uh, 50, uh, 50 games in, they were 19 and 31. Right. Yeah. And then they turned it around one ninety three games and then they upset the Dodgers um, beat the Cardinals. They were that the card. Well, the Cardinals have pulled an upset in the in the other series, so that one that one wasn't as much of a surprise. But and then they upset the Astros, and it was like, shoot, here we are. <laughs> yeah. Well, what's your take on Nats Park? I mean, I I, I hear mixed reviews. About Na- it. I like Nats Park. It's it's a it's a perfectly fine ballpark. Like, there's not there's absolutely nothing wrong with it. Like, you'll you'll get good seats wherever you go. Tickets are t- tickets have gone up since the World Series, but they're relatively you know relatively affordable. Um, and like again, food options are good. You know, it's it's a, it's a, it's a nice place to watch a game. Again, it doesn't have its like defining characteristic like a Camden Yards or a PNC or you know whatever the one in San Francisco is now called but it, it, it's a perfectly it's a perfectly fine ballpark yeah but but bummed to see Ryan Zimmerman uh, I, I I kind of knew it was coming I kind of had that everybody kind of I think when when we when we all kind of saw the 2021 season not going the way we thought it would we we're kind of like yeah he's probably done because this is it and there's really no spot for him anymore so um, I'm, I, I'm, it is, it is weird. Cause again, he is the first Nat, like since the team became, you know, became the Nats to like, to like, you know, start a career and then retire and have like a long career. And I mean, he's the face of that franchise. He'll, you know, his number one day, his number is going to get retired. He's going to get a statue, all that kind you know, all that kind of stuff. Um, it's weird, but it was, I think is kind of the right time, which I think makes it, made it a little bit easier to handle what was Bryce harper's exit a dark day oh i have very mixed feelings about bryce harper um on the one hand he deserved to get paid on the other hand i'm glad the nats didn't pay him because that contract i think is going to be pretty rough in a few years right um i mean even the even his first year in philly he would he was fine but not like not worth the twenty five mil a year that they were paying him. Obviously last year won the MVP, so you know, who's you know, shoot, that may have that may have covered a good chunk of that contract, but like no, I I have very mixed feelings on Bryce Harper. I I I, I like him as a player and I, I think he's mature, he's definitely matured, which is which is good, but 
he really, I don't think, is was worth the. I mean, and I, I generally think that about most players that are like the big three hundred, four hundred million dollar, thirteen year contracts are just like are just like. I mean, great for the players that are getting them. It's not going to end up working out for the team in the long run almost all the time. The one exception I can think of is Mike Trout. And I think the one exception that's going to happen close to me in the future is Juan Soto. So you're ready to back up the bridge truck for Juan Soto. Yeah, because I think I think the way I've kind of thought about it, I mean, first of all, he's he's like my he's obviously now my favorite player like with with Zimmerman gone. I I just love him and it's it's weird to me that he's only like a year and a half older than I am. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it's surreal when you start becoming older than most of the pro right. athletes. Yeah, it's 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 strange. I've had that again as a hockey fan because you know all the hockey players get in there now, like eighteen, nineteen, twenty years old. They're all younger than me. That's that's been a little weird to watch. But um, no, like Soto, I I'm okay with, and because I, I've kind of summed it up. Aside from the fact that you know I I love him and I don't want to see him leave. You know. It, even if you have, even if towards the end end of that contract it becomes a bit of an albatross, there's more of like a well. If you don't sign him, you're like really kind of in a bad spot, you know. And so I'd take seven, eight, nine great years with that contract, and then maybe a decline towards the end. I'd ta- I'd take that chance versus letting him walk after 2024 and the team kind of being back to square one. You need a superstar to build around, and he's the guy. So right, where where does the Cap Stanley Cup run rank in your sports? Oh, because, that that because one, that was sort of surprising. That too. one just felt good because it is the first time like any one of my teams have like won anything that at least that I can remember since I was alive. I mean, Mar- Maryland won when I was Maryland men's basketball won when I was two. I I didn't remember that. I don't remember that at all. But you know, like that that one just felt good. Cause you got the you got you got the monkey off the back, right? Like, you finally won a championship. Everyone's happy. The entire it was the first time the entire city could rally around a sports team in God knows how long. Like, you know, I real I I really got into it. And the thing was, the the game uh, game five when they won was two days after my high school graduation. So it was kind of like a I I it was like this is a nice little kind of gift for me that like, you know, I graduate high school. And I'm going out. I'm I, I, I was in the uh, I was in the arena watch party uh, for Game Five. My friend had an extra, like an extra ticket for that, so I went with him, and it was it was just a blast. And it's just one of those things one day when you're just like you're just kind of just breathe and you're like, we finally won something, and it's so good. And I couldn't go to the parade. I I sadly couldn't go to the parade because I had college orientation scheduled for, for Come on, the Maryland. following week. That was a was a complete coincidence. Mar- Maryland scheduled their orientation. Well, I, I guess I guess it was scheduled way before the It was scheduled were, way before yeah. and the one the and I had signed up way before and it was and I was just like, all right, please don't let it be this like one these like one or two Can days I'm move? at orientation. Can we move the orientation Maryland uh, <laughs> to, to accommodate the Caps uh Stanley Cup parade? Yeah. Uh, I, I guess not though. But I guess they didn't care about that. No. Where were you were you at the Nats parade or uh, I was at the Nats parade. Yeah, yeah, that was that was great. I, I watched I watched the Game Seven championship in my door in my dorm room, yeah. with my roommates. One of whom one of whom is a nose fan. One of whom is from Dallas and is a Texas Rangers fan. Okay. Um, and they, and it was it was kind of surreal. Uh, and then 
Uh, and then a couple of days later was the parade and I went down and it was, a, it was, it was a blast. I mean, again, I basically spent my entire day in DC, which I've, I've done, I do from time to time, but right, man. And, and, and now, and now the Nats are on like a little crash course rebuild. Um, and the caps are like somewhat declining, but they're still relevant. So it's fun. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I'm a sports writer because I love sports, but I was never going to be worth a lake playing any, any yeah. sports. I love playing sports, but I wasn't going to be good enough to mm-hmm. remotely come close to playing at a high level. So I became a sports writer so I could be involved with sports and still uh, follow sports and, and really be around it, uh, be around what I love. I imagine your story is similar. Yeah. I mean, again, like I always loved it, but I, I was I was never the best player on my team. I was always like, you know, a fine enough player, but I was like. This is not a viable long-term, you know, long-term career option. So I was like, oh, and at some point again, because I mean, I would read the Washington Post, you know, sports section. We we still get the print the print version of that, um, you know, delivered to our house, and so I'd read it every day. And it's and and eventually one day I kind of just was like, wait a minute, I can do this as a career. Like I like reading this. I like writing and writing about sports. I love talking about it. I mean shoot, I could, you know, gab your ear off for hours about it. So it's like, hey, let me try this. And then um, at Maryland, the Merrill College, or the, the Povich Center, which is the sports um, the sports arm of the journals. Name for Shirley Povich, the legendary named, named for Shirley Washington Povich. Post sports writer. Yeah. Yes. Um, he and, and so through there, they had a couple, like, summer programs that I did. And I was like, yep, this is, this is it. This is what I want to do. And – Kind of just opened up from there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, what, and you wrote for the Post too. You did, uh, is, is a you were a freelancer. Freelancer, yeah. yeah. So, so some of the freelance gigs I did before I, you know, before I got this just this job, were doing some high, was doing some high school playoff coverage um, for the Post. So the last couple, last month or so, I kind of darted all around. I did some wrestling. I did some gymnastics. Gymnastics was weird because the the scoreboard is like first of all, it's a subjective scoring system. And second of all, the scoreboard was like hopelessly behind the entire time. So I was like, it that one that one was really hard to do, but um, it was fun. I did gymnastics, I did some hockey, some basketball. So kind of kind of a mix of everything. Was it surreal to see your name in the paper? It that was you grew a little bit like the first the first time. So the 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 first time the first time was the wrestling was this uh, Maryland State duels for wrestling. Um, and I ended up, there were teams in the, in the, in the coverage region that were in 4A and 3A. So I covered, so I wrote about those two and it went in the paper the next day and it was a Super Bowl Sunday. So my name was in like the Super Bowl Sunday edition. And I was like, this is weird. Like, I don't know if I'm going to get used to seeing this. And, and, (laughs) and and even again, like I, I had a couple more get, you know, a couple more go in. And it's one of those things where it's like I got a little more used to it, but I'm also just like, man, my name is like in this this paper that, fifth you know I've read for the last fifteen twenty years of my life, yeah, you know, and and it's just there, and I'm like, okay, that's kind that's kind of weird. I don't know if I'll get used to it. I, eventually, I feel like I feel like one day, like most most places, I, I get you know I'm kind of at this point kind of used to seeing my name in a print paper just because I've done it you know, enough times. And 
I mean, I think the the first one that I'm getting in tomorrow, or I guess I don't know when this is going out, but when the Wednesday paper. Frederick Keys manager. Um, the I did a little story about the Frederick Keys manager and. Joe, Joe Oliver, a, a name baseball fans will know. Yeah, and so I did a little write up on him, and and and, and my my name's in there, so I. I, I'm I'm a guy who who collect who like has like a physical copy of every single yeah paper that his name has been in, you know. Um, so I'm gonna grab that one. I'm gonna grab be like, okay, I have one. Now I can like, I I can run with it. Yeah. So we write about high school athletes all the time. Did yeah. anyone write about you as a high school baseball player? No. The only time I've been in any new well so. Let me let me backtrack. So no for being an athlete. The only time I can remember Blair baseball being written about when I was on the team was my junior year. We got to the state quarterfinals and we were playing Northwest High School in um, Germantown. And we were we were like the top two teams remaining. So the general consensus was like whoever wins this is probably going to win states. And that was our fourth game in five days because of rainouts we took an early two nothing lead and held it into the seventh inning um and then in the bottom of the seventh inning they got two guys on and a storm came washed out the rest of the rest of the game so we picked it up the next day and then northwest walked us off three to two and won the state title so that's so that's the only time when i was there that we were in the paper um I saw that in the paper, and I, I, I don't even think I read the story. I was just like, I, I can't read this. Like that, that game is just that game just hurts. Um, but then the only other time I've actually been in the paper as, a, as like a subject, I wasn't even interviewed for this, but uh, is there's a photo of me in the the Gazette, which does not exist anymore, but it was like a it was kind of a regional paper for Montgomery County right. that the, the like a, like a weekly. It was yeah. like a weekly that the Post. I think I think the Post like owned it. Yeah, they did. Um, and back in 2011, there was a chess tournament in Silver Spring, and I was part of my elementary school's chess club, and so they sent a couple of us to this tournament, and I'm playing a chess game. And or and I don't remember what ended up, you know, how I ended up doing. But afterwards, this guy comes up to me. He's like, hey, what's your name? Can you spell it for me? I just I and I saw you had a camera. I just assumed it was like for the tournament, right. not, you know, just tournament. And then a publicity thing. Yeah, yeah. And then we get the and then I get the Gazette next week. Like like, you know, that comes with the post a couple of days later. And it's like and it's like Alexander Daisy plays a plays like a chess match at the at the like chess tournament i'm like <laughs> i'm just like right here on the front page of the gazette so that, that made its way on the fridge i'm sure uh it, it actually i think it did it's now like in some it's in some folder in our in my house but yeah yeah see the, the people here in frederick <laughs> county they don't realize how spoiled they are to, to, to have us around because <laughs> we write about all their high school events whereas the folks in montgomery county and prince george's even the all the northern virginia uh areas uh, they the post is the primary source yeah. of the coverage, but the post is this huge national publication that doesn't have the time and resources and space 
to devote to high schools like we do. So right, and it's it's one of the things that's kind of a shame when like this when like the Gazette went because because the, the Gazette did a ton of that. Right. Um. You know, back in Montgomery County, and then after that, the the Sentinel kind of picked up some of the slack, but not not all of it. And then that folded a couple years ago. So, you know. It, it 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 is cool. It is again kind of cool that you have like a dedicated, you know, sort of a dedicated, um, you know, you have a dedicated sports section for you know the, the ten sports. high schools here. Right. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Well, your 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 story is very similar to mine. I grew <laughs> I grew up reading the sports section uh, over breakfast uh, every day. Mm-hmm. Never never going to be good enough to play, but I'm like, how can I get a job where someone pays me to to do something sports related? So 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 journalism became became my track. So. Well, welcome aboard, man. It, 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 it's great to have you. We'll we'll have you on uh, 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 most weeks. I, I I think we'll 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 get John back in here from time to time too. But but uh, welcome aboard, and it's great to have you. Of so. course. All right. Uh, when we come back, we will talk to UNC Charlotte women's basketball coach Kara Consuegra. Uh, stay tuned here on the final score. Well, March Madness is officially here, and on Saturday afternoon, the UNC Charlotte women's basketball team will open up NCAA tournament play against Indiana University at Assembly Hall. The head coach of the 49ers is Kara Consuegra, who is best known around Frederick County for lighting up scoreboards at Ligonor High School, where her jersey number hangs on the wall. And uh, very pleased to have Coach Consuegra joining us now. Kara, how are you? I'm doing great. I'm happy to be here. Thanks for having me on. Uh, well, where, where are you right now? Tell everyone. And where are you in the preparation stage? <laughs> well, right now I'm in Charlotte at my home. And uh, we don't play till Saturday. So we'll, we'll leave out for Bloomington on Thursday. And right now we're just knee deep in film and preparing for the Hoosiers and getting our game plan together. Yeah, so it's nice to have a couple of extra nights in in in, in your own bed be- before you leave. Well, we needed it. You know, we played our Conference USA Championship on Saturday afternoon, and between everything that went on post game, media obligation, celebration, getting back to Charlotte, you know, it it, it took a lot out of us. So. We were thankful that we weren't playing until Saturday. Yeah, and and, uh, and we're recording this sort of late at night uh, by most people's standards, and, and and the kids are tucked into bed, and and you're you get a moment of respite here, uh, even though you're talking to me and and still doing work technically. <laughs> well, I think I think most coaches they do a lot of their work at this time of night. I know I do, so it's easy for me to get on right now. Yes, yeah, sports writers, coaches, we're all we're all night owls uh, by trade, so. Um, no doubt. Yeah. Um, last time UNC Charlotte was in this position, 2009. Uh, so it's so it's been a while since you guys were in the big dance. Uh, just why were you guys able to um, win Conference USA this year? And tell us a little bit about your team. Well, we have a really good team. Uh, we were preseason picked to win the league. And so we kind of felt that pressure all year long. And I think, you know, the reason, you know, we had so many people respect us from the beginning is we brought back a great combination of really good players and then brought in, you know, some transfer to that really bolstered our, our roster. And um, Octavia Jet Wilson, who is the conference USA player of the year um, was coming off a fantastic season last year where she was arguably the best player in conference USA last year uh, because of COVID she was able to use her extra year. Uh, bringing her back was 
absolutely key to us being good this year. But again, I mentioned the transfers, Kiki McKinney from Kentucky, Michaela Boykin from Duke, Cameron Roach from Kentucky, still have Jada McMillan, um, my point guard, who's been a point guard for me for, you know, three and a half seasons. Um, so a lot of veteran players um, certainly contributed to how good this team is. How, how much did you guys feel that pressure of being the, the, the preseason favorites? You know, I, I don't know. I talk, I would talk to my players occasionally and they, they really didn't let it bother them. I mean, anytime that we went through a, a streak where maybe we weren't playing well, or certainly in our non-conference, our non-conference was not stellar by any means in terms of our record, although our, uh, our, our schedule was extremely difficult. Uh, I would ask our players, like, are you feeling the pressure? And, you know, they, they, they said they were good. They never, never said it got to them. I think for me as a coach, well, there was times I felt the pressure. I mean, when you're picked number one and, um, you know, all the expectations are, are for you to win. And um, our, again, I just mentioned our non-conference was not spectacular in terms of our record. So, you know, you feel that a little bit, but we just tried to stay the course and focus on one day at a time. And I think that really helps. I, I don't see many gray hairs yet, Kara. So you couldn't have been feeling that much pressure, but, but just take, <laughs> uh, take us through the moment. What was it like uh, when, when in the championship game, cutting down the nets, just what was that like for you and, and for all your girls? Oh, it was amazing. Um, you know, just so much hard work. I think, you know, for a program like ours, this is only the third time that Charlotte's been to the NCAA tournament. And uh, our program has been really good for a long time. It was good prior to me. Uh, whenever I leave here, it'll, it'll be good after me. But, you know, for whatever reasons, it has been difficult to get to the NCAA tournament. So I think when we finally did that this year, um, you know, there was, there was so much relief, but also just thankfulness, being grateful uh, so many years of hard work. It's not just this year. And I think that's sometimes what, you know, people don't understand. It's years and years that go into this type of moment and to get to that, to get to the top. Um, you know, it, it was just, it was really emotional. It was emotional to watch our kids celebrate. It was emotional, you know, with my coaches, it was emotional with my family. Um, and it was a lot of fun. You've been at Charlotte for more than a decade now. 2011 was was, was your first year there. Um, mm -hmm. well, what was the state of the program when, when you when you took it over? It was good. Um, you know, again, I think their last NCAA appearance before me was in 2009. Yeah, so so right um, on the heels of that, yeah. Yeah, so on the heels of that, um, you know, when I got there, there were some changes that need to be made. So we went through. Um, you know, we we had we had good years right off the bat. My first year was pretty good. My second year was the best season I had had prior to this season. Um, and we had just missed the NCAA. We were actually one of the first four teams out at that point in time. Um, and uh, so we were taking over a solid program. Um, but, you know, then we changed leagues. We went from the A-10 to Conference USA. That was a big, uh, big change um, uh, that we had to kind of navigate through. And so there's just been a lot of different things that have happened throughout the time. But um, you know, like I said, we've always, we've always been good. We've always been a good program, always been highly respected in, in women's college basketball. Yeah. I'm, I'm looking over your track record here. You guys don't have a losing record in conference play, uh, with, with you at the head of the program there. So that there's something to be said for that, especially when you're, um, uh, changing conferences and stuff like that. Your consistency has been high and I know coaches always look for consistency. Yeah, no doubt about it. Um, and you know, when you look at my, our overall records through the year, 
some of that can be deceiving as well because I typically schedule really tough in the non-conference. I mean, even this year, we were four and six in the non-conference, but we had by far the toughest schedule of any team in Conference USA. Yeah, so records, you know, could, right? be records could be deceiving that way, right? Absolutely. Like, I, I just don't believe in creating a cupcake schedule. Um, you know, I also know that we are in a but one bid league. So quite frankly, you know, if we don't go out and challenge ourselves to be able to beat some power five schools or some schools that are ranked really well in the net, you know, we have to win our conference tournament. And so to me, it, it's a, it's a win-win. Like it doesn't matter if you lose those games. Um, you know, it matters, but it, it, it's, it, it doesn't matter in the scope of things because we're one big bid league anyway. So you might as well go out and schedule them, try to beat some of those teams and then possibly, you know, be able to steal a second bid from our league. So that's kind of always been my philosophy. Um, and then when my team has gotten to conference play, we've always been pretty good. And a lot of that is because we were tested in a very difficult way in our non-conference. Yeah. I mean, you've now played and coached at a, at a pretty high level. You, you were in the WNBA um, uh, playing and, and you were great in high school as a player. And, and now you've coached at, at a high level. Is there more pressure being a player or a coach in these types of situations? I would say definitely a coach. Um, and I don't know if it's even pressure or if it's just anxiety. I know as a player, you know, I played in state championships. I played in uh, big 10 championship games, NCAA tournament, played in the WNBA playoffs. And I never felt like I feel as a coach. And I think that's because as a player, you just feel like you're in more control of it. You know, as a coach, you don't, you don't really feel like you're in control. You're trying to make the best decisions that you can. And you're trying to, you know, put your team in the best position to be successful. But at the end of the day, you know, the kids are making the plays. You're not making the play. I think when you're a player, you're, you're making the play. And it just is this very different feel, in my opinion. Um, and so I, I've, I've certainly found myself through the years uh, in these big games as a coach, in tight games as a coach, feeling probably way more nervous than I ever felt as a player. How hard was that adjustment for you when, when you're not in control anymore? You're not making the shots. It's hard. I mean, for me, I thought it was really hard. It'd be interesting to hear. I've never, I've never asked other coaches about that in terms of what, how they feel, but for me, it was hard. Um, because again, it's just a whole different feeling. You make the call and you look and you watch and you wait instead of being right there, you know, in the moment, making the decision, uh, you know, making the shot or whatever it might be. So, um, I don't know if I've ever fully adjusted to it, uh, to be, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, what, what, what's what's the toughest part? Just not being not being able to make that shot, or just what's the most nerve wracking part of it? Well, I think it is just what I said, like feeling that you're not really in control. Yeah. Of it. Um, you know, like again, as a player, you kind of feel like you have control of the outcome, um, or you can make a play that can determine the outcome, or you know, if you make a mistake, you can get a play back that can help determine the outcome. Whereas a coach, I mean, I guess you can argue that you could feel the same way. You're making a play call, you're making a substitution, you know, you're utilizing strategy down the stretch that affects the game. Um, but I guess for me, even though I, you know, I'm making those decisions, ultimately somebody else has to execute those decisions and you're relying on somebody to execute them successfully for the team to win. Even though you're preparing all the time for the next game, you're watching film, you're having meetings, you're, you're, you're running practice. Do you ever feel unprepared when, when, when the ball is tipped uh, as a coach? No, never. That's my job. Yeah. That's my job to make sure I'm prepared. My team's prepared. Uh, we put countless hours in, as you know, as every good coaching staff does, uh, to make sure we know as much as we can possibly know about our opponent, 
um, you know, from the, the smallest detail, um, you know, even, even late game scenarios. I mean, we spend time scouting our opponent, watching close games, watching what they're going to call, how they're going to play things, what decisions they're going to make as a coaching staff. I mean, it's every single detail that we can think of to be prepared because that's our job. You know, if we lose a game because our players don't ex execute or, you know, you know, obviously countless things that can happen, you know, that that's fine. I can live with that. But if we lose a game because I'm not prepared or my coaching staff isn't prepared, you know, that's not acceptable. That's on us. Yeah. I mean, you're a mother too. What, what, what's life like for you in, in, in season? It's difficult. Uh, you know, my, my kids and my husband, um, they sacrifice a lot for me to be able to do what I do. Um, I miss a lot for my kids, which is hard. Both of my boys uh, played basketball this winter and Oh man, for all their games, I think I made it to two or three, yeah. um, which is hard. You know, they want their mom there. They know their mom's a basketball coach. They want her there. They, you know, um, you know, my husband obviously takes on just tremendous duties at our home in terms of keeping our, keeping our home going and, you know, taking care of our boys. And, um, you know, it, it's a sacrifice. It's hard. And there's things that I miss and uh, that is difficult, but, you know, I also know that, you know, what I'm doing is I'm impacting lives and I'm changing lives and, I'm doing something that I love and I'm, I'm really fortunate to have a family around me that supports me, um, helps me. Um, and they get to be a part of it too. You know, my kids were there when we cut down the nets that both of my boys helped me cut down the net. Yeah. It's really Saturday. cool. Yeah. Um, yeah. They're both coming to the NCAA tournament. They grew up going to gyms and being in gyms. So, you know, while they sacrifice a lot, you know, they certainly have opportunity to do some pretty cool things. Well, what's, what's the most involved or most time-consuming process of, of the preparation of, of, of being a head coach? Uh, in terms of game prep? Yeah. Well, or just in general, like, is, is it just watching film? Is it meeting with players, practice? Just what's, what's the most time-consuming element of the job? Um, gosh, you know, there's so many parts to it, but um, – I would say probably the film watching. I mean, it never really stops when you're in season. Um, if you think about, you know, assistant coaches, each one of my assistant coaches, they do a scout every third scout. So, you know, they'll be knee deep in film, you know, working, preparing. And then when their scouts over, they take a day or two off and kind of refocus, focus on recruiting, whatever it might be. And then they can start again, you know, as a head coach, there literally is never a day that I don't watch film from, when practice starts in October until our last game in March. So, <laughs> excuse me, it's, I mean, it's time consuming. Um, you know, it's, there's days certainly that you're like, man, I, I could just, <laughs> I'd love to just sit on the couch and watch someone on Netflix like a normal human being. But, um, you know, to me, if you do that, you get behind. And once you get behind, it's really hard to catch up. So it, it's constant. Yeah. Uh, do you ever allow yourself a couple of hours even after a game to enjoy a win, uh, to reflect on a loss, or is it always just right on to the next opponent? You're all, you're all like hours, minutes after the game, you're already breaking down film of the next opponent. Yeah, I'll break down. I'll start breaking down film that evening usually. Um, and my husband probably gets on me because he thinks I shouldn't, and I should take a, a breather every once in a while. But you know, some of it too is just just being able to shut your mind down. Like so, if we play a game, win or lose it's very difficult for me to really focus on anything else or to move on or even enjoy my Saturday night until I watch the game film, because I'm thinking about it. I'm thinking about every decision I made, good, bad, ugly. I'm thinking about what happened within the game, you know, what caused us to win, what caused us to lose. 
And I think, you know, all the really good coaches are like that. Like your mind just doesn't shut off. You're, you're responsible for so much as a head coach. You're responsible for your players and your program. And, you know, when you take great pride in that, it's really hard to just shut it down and be like, well, I'm just going to chill for the night. Um, so for me, like I, I need to watch the game so I can move on. And then, you know, I move very quickly to our next opponent because, you know, as I said earlier, I'm going to make sure I'm prepared. I'm going to make sure my team's prepared. Uh, so do you do you ever allow yourself to just to enjoy it for a minute? <laughs> a, 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 a win for a minute, yeah. <laughs> right. Of course. I mean, again, we we have a Saturday night game. Sometimes my family and I will go out to dinner. Um, there's a, a pizza wing place across the street from campus, so that's a place we frequent a lot on Saturday night wins. But yeah, I mean, it's important to take a take a little bit of time, no doubt. How often do you wake up in cold sweats in the middle of the night? Um. I, 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 I really. forgot that I forgot to do something or, Oh no. Yeah. yeah. That's not really me. My, for me, it's more so falling asleep. Like it takes me a long time to fall asleep. I don't, you know, like most coaches, we don't, I don't sleep very much uh, during the season, but for me, it's more about when I lay down trying to get my mind to shut down because then I'm thinking about this part of the game plan or this I need to do, or, you know, what recruit I need to call or, you know, whatever it might be. And, and it's more just trying to get my mind to settle. Uh, once I go to sleep, I'll, I'm usually asleep. But that that process of actually getting to bed for me is probably the most difficult. What's what's a quality night's sleep for you? Five hours in season? Do you even get five that? hours right now? Uh, mm-hmm. five, you do get oh, five. Yeah. You do you do get five hours because I was expecting you to say yeah. something like two or three, and, and then I'm up. No, up and, I can't. I can't yeah. operate on two or three. I did that when my babies were little and. I don't know how anybody can function like that, but no, I would say about five hours is, is typical right, right now. Well, when you do get a breather, whether it be the off season or just a, a, a spare moment during the season, do you watch sports or, or do you, are you watching Netflix or, or, or do you have to get away from basketball completely or, or, or do you stay connected to it even in your breather moments? Oh, we're a sports family around here. We're always watching sports uh, between uh, football, baseball, basketball, obviously in the summer, we're watching the WNBA. Um, there's not many time you come into our house and there's something on other than sports. Uh, I'm not a Netflix person. I'm not really a, a TV show person because I don't really make a lot of time for it. Mo- mo- um, movie movies. Well, I probably, before I had children, we watched movies nowadays and we go watch movies. It's, you know, pets too or right Mo- 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 moana Mo- moana yeah, or something exactly. like that Man yeah Minions. right and i usually end up taking a nap you <laughs> do nap time for me. yeah <laughs> in the theater or do you put it on oh, at home yeah. oh yeah so, oh yeah this is great so you're sitting folds off i could just relax for an hour and a half so uh, so i picture yourself just walking to the top row of the movie theater yeah. Uh, you, you, you hand the popcorn or the junior mints or whatever candy in the, in the drink to the kids. And then you just, uh, shut, shut the baseball. I got my baseball hat on. Just bring it down nice and low. Shut, shut the eyelids. And, and, and nice and, way to, nice way to relax. Right. Do your kids have to wake you up at the movies or say, Hey mom, mom, oh, they're you, into you, it. They <laughs> don't even know. They don't even know. <laughs> um, what, what, what made you want to be a coach? So growing up, um, in Frederick County, I, you know, obviously started playing when I was really young. And when I played in middle school, um, I had a really good coach, Michael Stefanos, who coached my brother and he coached me. And he actually used to do, I don't remember if he did the clock or the books at our games at Langenor. 
Um, and he became a really close family friend of ours uh, because he did coach my brother and myself. And when I started at Linganore in ninth grade, he asked me if I would come back and help with the middle school program and just be, you know, his kind of student assistant. And, you know, at that point in time, I love basketball. Like I'm a basketball junkie. I've always wanted to go play, you know, go up to the Y, go to the parks around Frederick County. And I was like, sure, you know, why not? And so I started to go and help him with the middle school team. And right away, I just loved it. You know, I enjoyed it. I could tell that it was something I was passionate about. I liked giving back to the game. I liked giving back to the girls that were coming up behind me. And that was really the start for me. Once I started to do that and realized how much I enjoyed it, um, I always knew that I wanted to be a coach. I mean, there really was never a different career path for me uh, from, from, you know, really high school on. And, you know, I, I, I realized that I'm really lucky to be one of those people to be living out their dream every single day. Right. And, uh, and UNC Charlotte obviously isn't your first job. You, you got your start at uh, Marquette University where, where you spent seven seasons. Just how valuable were those seven seasons at Marquette? What did you learn? Where'd you learn the most? Oh, those, those years were invaluable. Um, <clears throat> I had a really awesome boss, Terry Mitchell, who was the best coach to ever, to ever uh, coach at Marquette. And, you know, she hired me Oh gosh, I think I was 24 years old. I don't even think I could run a car to go recruiting yet. Um, and gave me just a lot of trust and responsibility as a really young coach. And I think that's so much what I learned. I mean, I learned a ton from her and you know, all the coaches I worked with during my time there, but she really let me learn by doing. And that's part of why I stayed for so long. I mean, she gave me a lot of responsibility. You know, I was able to develop our guards, our point guards, um, scout. I mean, I scouted my, I'll never forget this. I was an assistant coach, first year assistant coach, never done a scout on my own. You know, I had prepped them and done them as a graduate assistant when I was at Penn state, but I had never done my own scout. Probably our third game of the year, we play Iowa, my alma mater. We're playing at Iowa, huge game. It was my scout. Like, you know, and just the trust that she gave me from the start was, was just incredible. And so I just learned so much through those years because of how much she allowed me to do, how much she taught me. Um, and I'm so grateful for that. I mean, I think a lot of the way that you learn is by doing and, you know, having the opportunity to work with kids and experiment and do different drills in terms of player development and having the opportunity to actually scout and come up with a game plan and thoughts in the game plan and not just, you know, here, here's the scout and, and then the head coach do it. Like I was uh, part of that me meeting like I had a say from the beginning in terms of how I felt like we should play people and that stuff that stuff taught me so much when, when the coaching vision was materializing for you Kara what was did you ever think about coaching in high school or was was, was college coaching always your path I always wanted to coach in college um you know I I, I think I just always felt like that was the highest level I mean at that point there wasn't you know, the WNBA, I guess, kind of started shortly after I graduated. And but I always kind of felt like collegiate coaching was kind of the pinnacle of coaching. And that's really what I wanted to do um, and never really thought anything otherwise. That was always my goal. Um, and, you know, again, I'm, I'm lucky to be, be living that every day. Well, what was your time like in the WNBA? Um, short. <laughs> yeah. But... No, it was a great experience. I mean, let's be real. I was a fourth round draft pick really wasn't uh, expected to make the team. Uh, but you know, if anybody in 
Frederick County remembers me. I wasn't quite the person that would come in and just lay back and not fight for something. So they yeah. brought me into training camp and, uh, you know, I was my own feisty self and I worked my tail off and I, I, I won a spot on the team. I think to probably a lot of people's surprise. Um, and it was, I mean, it was an awesome experience, um, just playing at that level at a professional level, so different than college, but, um, to be able to say, you know, Hey, you know, I did this. I remember in, in college coming back, uh, visiting home and going to a mystics game. And I remember, I mean, that was probably in 99, maybe. Um, and I, I remember going with my parents and saying, you know what? I want to do this. I want to play in the league. Like this is, this would be unbelievable. And then to just, again, say, wow, I did that. It wasn't long, but you know, for me to make a WNBA team when, you know, certainly as an underdog, um, was just a, a really, really amazing accomplishment and something I'm really proud of. Does any of your feistiness come from, uh, uh the late great coach at Lincoln or coach Brian Matthews, <laughs> or did he just facilitate and channel that for you? <laughs> well, I think it, he, you know, him and I, we always, whenever people ask me about him, um, you know, I always say that him and I were very much alike. Um, and he, you know, I, I had it in me when I got to him, but certainly he, he encouraged it and facilitated, you know, my passion, uh, my energy, um, my grittiness. I mean, everything that makes up me made up him. And I think that is, you know, there's a lot of reasons to look back and say why we were really good at Langenor High School during my years. But I think that had a lot to do with it. I mean, you have a head coach and a, and a, and a player who, you know, really, really kind of operate the same way. And when you can combine that and, you know, it, it creates trust, it creates belief among the entire team. Um, you know, I really do think that that is a reason for our success. Right. How often do you have those symbiotic relationships with your players at Charlotte? How often does it happen? Um, you know, to that level, probably not a lot. I mean, I think you always have relationships with your players and, you know, you're always trying to build them and, and help them grow and help them to, you know, kind of, kind of live out the values that you have as a head coach and as a program, but, you know, to have a, a, a player that really clicks at that level, you know, it, it happens occasionally, in my opinion. Um, you know, my, my player this year, Octavia Jet Wilson is very much like that. Her and I are very much alike. Um, you know, I'm probably a, a little more animated than she is, but we, we are, are very much alike and she's a, a DMV kid. So it's not surprising. Um, and, you know, we've had the best season in the history of Charlotte women's basketball. So when it happens, it's really, really special. Um, but you know, at that, that, that level, that deep of a level, I wouldn't say it happens all the time. Yeah. You were, you were drafted into the NBA by the, by the, or the WNBA, excuse me, by the Utah stars was day-to-day -day life in Utah. Was it drastically different than anything you had experienced before? <laughs> yeah. Salt Lake city is a little bit different. Um, at least at that point in time, uh, we lived in a, uh, basically extended stay hotel, um, which was really, really different. I mean, you're there for whatever, four or five months, um, not a very homey feel, um, you know, in, in downtown Salt Lake. And if anybody listening has been to downtown Salt Lake at that point in time, it was not very happening. Um, not a lot going on. Um, so we actually usually, usually loved it when we were on road trips, <laughs> you know, to kind of get out and get to a different city and, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was very different. Um, you know, I think the life as a professional athlete, um, at least in my experience, was very different. I mean, there wasn't the same camaraderie that you have at the collegiate level. 
you know, we would finish practice and most of my teammates I never saw again until we had practice the next day. Um, it just was, you know, a different type of, you know, and some of that because I was 22 right out of college and some of my teammates were 35, 36, 37 and had families and, you know, lives outside of basketball. So, um, you know, that, that was part of it as well, but, but certainly a, a really different feeling um, and a very different place to live. Going back to your sports household and sports is always on the TV. What, what do you guys watch? You're, you're watching all sports, uh, every sport. And have your loyalties shifted? Are you a Carolina Panthers fan now? Or, or were you a Ravens fan or a Commanders fan? Or where, where do your sports loyalties lie? And, and what are you watching most of the time? Well, we watch just about everything. My husband um, played college football at University of Minnesota. And so he loves football. He loves college football. He loves, he's from Milwaukee. So he loves the Brewers. Um, so we're always watching the Brewers on TV. Pa- Packers, um, Packers fan, I imagine. He actually right? does not like the Packers. His family is from Chicago. So he's a Chicago bear. No kidding. Okay. Yep. Uh, I am, I don't know, uh, probably unfortunately a commanders fan. Okay. <laughs> always have been. Yeah. Uh, we grew up, we grew up back in the day of watching watching them uh when the, on the when TV the, when, and, yeah when, when the super bowl uh, mark ripon yeah, doug yeah. williams yeah yep i remember all those and we would you know a lot of folks did this they would turn down the tv and turn up sunny and sam on the radio uh that was my family and we would listen to them on the radio while the redskins played so um you know i think being in charlotte for so long we cheer for the panthers just because you know we cheer for the hornets because we've been here for 11 years uh but certainly still feel loyalty to you know, our, my hometown teams. Have, have you gotten used to saying commanders yet? Uh, no, no. In fact, I just made sure I said it. So I was politically <laughs> correct, <laughs> but it is very weird. I don't know about you. It is. I couldn't even do the football team. That was right. just very weird. <laughs> were, did they have to have a nickname? Were you fine with if they just stayed with Washington football team or did they have, did they have to have another nickname? I don't know. I think I might've been okay with Washington football team. You know, I remember when they first, when they first did it, I was, probably like many other people like what is you know like the football team but i it kind of grew on me um i I like the merchandise i like the logos they had it grew on me a little bit so i don't know i think getting getting it'll take a little bit time to get used to the commanders what what are people saying up in frederick county uh well yeah i mean it's it's still you get a mixed reaction really i mean some some people like the like the good old days some people are on board with the commanders so so it's it's really a mixed reaction but frederick as you know is a commander's washington football town more more so than Mm -hmm. more so than ravens i say but but i i I would say it's a decidedly uh mixed uh reaction so i can you when you, I mean, you have kids that play basketball. Can you just sit in the stands and watch a game, or can, can you turn your coaching side off at all uh, in, in those situations? I can. Um, I think it's really important to be a mom and not be a coach. Um, I think my kids need that, and uh, you know, I've I've coached long enough that um, I've seen parents that can't do that, and I just don't think it's really great for their kids. You know, if, if my sons, you know, want to ask me something, I will tell them if they want me to put them through a workout, I will do that. Um, but I'm not going to push it on them. Um, I want them to love basketball. And, you know, I think the best way for them to love basketball is to just let them play and for me to cheer for them and be their mom. And, um, you know, that's what I've been able to do so far. Now they're six and eight and there's not very much on the line. There's not a lot of stakes yet. 
you know, ask me that a question again in four or five years. Uh, I don't know, it might be different. Um, but that's really, you know, what I try to do. I just, I just cheer for the team. I cheer for every, every boy on the team and, you know, just want to be a mom in that, in that environment. Okay. So you haven't gotten to the age yet where winning becomes more important because because it's going to get tougher. Cause when you see something, when you, when you see something you don't agree with, um, I mean, it's going to be, or, or you get a, the t- your team, get your sons, get a bad call. Their, their team gets a bad call by the refs. I mean, it, it's going to be hard to, it'll be more of a challenge to stay composed, I guess. So, yeah, I, I, I know you're right about that. <laughs> right. Are, are, are you tough on the refs? Uh, do you give them a hard time? Uh, I'm pretty tough on refs. Yep. Now with that being said, I've only had one technical and I actually got a, my first technical this year. First time in 11 years. And it wasn't even, it, how, I didn't how, even how'd, you get, how'd you, how'd you get teed up? I didn't even earn it. I'm telling you, I'm telling you, Greg, um, uh, we were at, we played at Wake Forest this year and I just felt that my team was getting clobbered. Um, you know, we're a team that we really rely on paint touches, paint scores, getting in, you know, getting, you know, into the defense. And I just felt like we weren't, you know, getting any calls and we had a ref, um, I can't, I can't even remember his name, but he was a rep that I wasn't familiar with. I didn't know him. He didn't know me. Um, and, um, you know, I was just getting on him about that. I felt like my kid got fouled a couple times. Uh, obviously I was pretty, pretty passionate and he turned to me and he said, you need to relax. And I said, I'm not going to relax. And then he teed me up. <laughs> he, te- he teed you up for saying, I'm not going to relax. I, I, Thank you. I, I, Thank you. Like, I, I, don't hear, I, I, don't, I don't hear I don't hear a swear word or anything like that. I, no, I never swear at the rest, which is, I think, part of the reason why I've never got, well, up until this year, I've never gotten a tentacle. Like, I'll raise my voice. I'll be passionate. I'll yell at them. But I, I, I try to be as respectful because I don't, I don't think that's right. I mean, they have a really difficult job. Uh, and I know that, but yeah, I mean, really, I literally said, no, I didn't say it in this tone. I won't. Right. Yeah. It was probably more, a more, a more contentious tone. Yes. No doubt. But still I couldn't, I couldn't believe it. And I was really disappointed. You know, if I'm going to get a T I want to earn it. And I didn't feel like I earned that. How did did your assistants and your players uh, react? Everybody was stunned because we were, it was like, he was like in slow motion. He just turned to me and it was like, slow motion team we're all like what it was it was like out of a movie so what are you like i didn't even get warned you're supposed to get warned and he said i told you so I, he came down to me later and i said you didn't even warn me like i had we've never worked together i had no idea you were to the point where you were going to team me up and he said i told you to relax i said that was your warning <laughs> what like and, what? and then you had the gall to say you weren't going to relax so i guess <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, I mean, you want to you want to earn your first tea, right? Yeah, uh, no doubt. Like, right. I'm do I don't know what, but are, are you good at walking up to the line with the refs? Like, you know where the line is, and you, and you approach the line, um, but you don't you don't yeah. cross it. It doesn't sound like very often. No, no. Like I said, I'm I'm passionate. Um, I will get on them. I'll tell them what I think, but I also try to be really respectful in terms of. You know, I know, I know their job is really, really difficult. Um, you know, oftentimes I'll be really ticked off about calls and I'll go back and watch the film and I'll be like, you know what? It wasn't even that bad. You know, it's just in the moment of it. Right. And so I know their job is hard and, you know, everybody works the refs and, you know, you want to fight for your players when you think they're not getting what's fair. But um, I think it's important to know that their job is really difficult. Yeah. Well, what's your approach with the refs? Are you like sweet talking to them before the game? And you're like, hey, Bill, how you doing? How, how are the, how, how are the kids and stuff like that? So <laughs> Well, I think, you know, now that I've been at Charlotte, 
you know, for so long. I've been in Conference USA for nine years. I know most of the refs. It's very rare that we have a ref that I don't know, that doesn't know me. Shoot, I mean, you still have some refs. Every Well, we might be just past that, but for a while, I would have refs that still refed me in college. Yeah. So, you know, when I, so they, they know me, they know what I'm like. Um, so I, I think that's part of it. When you, when you get to know them, uh, they know what I'm like, you know? So yeah, it's, it's certainly usually friendly in the beginning. Yeah. Um, and do you have a running dialogue? You know, just, Is the dialogue running throughout the game uh, with, with them? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, I think it's important to constantly talk to them and tell, tell them what I think and yeah, that, 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 that helps, right? Sharing ideas yeah, and, sure. and thoughts yeah, and stuff like that. Yeah, this is what I'm so. seeing. And, you know, oftentimes they'll say, I didn't see it like that. And I said, well, I disagree with you. Like, I need you to, I need you to look at it a little bit differently right now. Um, so I do think it's, it's not just like, again, in my opinion, not just yelling at referees, it's having a conversation with them. Like you're working together. And sometimes I think people don't see it that way, but you really are. Right. Just don't say you're not going to relax, Kara. And, 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 Apparently and, and, not. I got to right. take that out of my vocabulary. Right. Uh, well, it's so well, offensive. Right. <laughs> well, were you ever teed up as a player at Leganor in, in college? Did you did you did you get teed up? Because Coach um, Matt Coach Matthews. I mean, he he probably got teed up. <laughs> he probably got teed up a few times. Every day. Uh, uh, yeah. Every other day. Man. Right. Yeah. Right. So 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 with that sort of influence, did you ever get teed up or, or really or really go off as a player? I don't, you know, I don't remember, which makes me think I don't, uh, I didn't, I mean, I definitely didn't in high school. Um, I don't think I ever got teed up in college. I can't remember. Um, I can't remember ever getting teed up now. I, I was probably close. Cause you know, again, I'm passionate. I'm fiery. I'm going to tell people what I think, you know, I'm going to compete at a really high level. I'm going to talk a little trash as a player. Um, but, um, but I don't remember ever crossing that line. Again. Yeah. But so you, again, you know where the line is and, 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 and you prevent yourself from crossing it. So, um, so here we are March madness. I mean, it, it's, it started, we're recording this on a Tuesday. I guess we had some playing games tonight. Just how do you view the growth and, and sort of the raised profile of the women's tournament, Kara? Now we, now we have playing games for the women, the, the, the fields up to 68, I mean, when, when the facilities were substandard last year, that became a big national story. Uh, the selection show is now on the same day as the, as the men's game. So just how, how do you view the women's tournament and just how the profile has been raised uh, over the last decade or so? Well, I'd, I'd say it's long overdue. Um, you know, I mean, and that's really come out in the last couple of years that, you know, when you invest in women's sports, there's people that want to be a part of it. And, you know, you can see, you know, the numbers that are going up in terms of people watching games on TV from, you know, college basketball to the WNBA to, you know, folks wanting to, you know, companies wanting to invest, but not really being able to. I mean, I think that's one of the biggest things, you know, in March Madness for men's basketball, there's been, you know, years and years of corporate sponsorship. Well, you couldn't do that on the women's side. That, I mean, that blew my mind. It had to be intertwined with the, the men's tournament. And so, you know, there was a lot of things that was stifling our growth, which we didn't even know. Um, and so I'm really thankful that so much of that came out because now that, you know, it has, you know, you can see that, you know, there actually are a lot of people that want to invest in our game and want to see us grow and be successful and we deserve it. You know, I mean, it's not fair to compare men's and women's basketball. It's different. It's a different game. And there's so many people that still want to compare it you know, women aren't exciting because they don't dunk or, you know, whatever excuse they want to make, but it, it's a different game. And, you know, there, there are people out there that enjoy women's basketball that enjoy it maybe more than men's basketball. And that's, that's okay. Um, but I, I, I certainly think, 
you know, now that things are changing, the tournament is going to continue to improve. Uh, the money that we're able to make and invest back into our programs is going to improve. And that's going to just be great for all of uh, women's college sports. Yeah, I mean, and here we are, March Madness. Just what's, I mean, Thursday and Friday and just the whole weekend is going to be great. Just wall-to-wall basketball. Just what's the most exciting time of year for you as coach? Because you're, you're so busy working that you don't get to sit back and enjoy it like, like we do. But what's the most exciting thing to you about this time of year? Well, I mean, I, I don't think it's really any different. I mean, as a coach, you're obviously, um, you know, involved in the work of it. And, but that's, you know, that's what we do. But I think the same, you we follow the same way as fans, like watching for the upsets and, you know, we can't bet on the games or anything like that, but, you know, we're, we're watching for the upsets and tuning in. And I mean, we'll be in the office this week working, but we'll have our TVs on. We'll be watching the games and following the games. And, and so, you know, I think anybody that loves basketball, they love this time of year, whether they're working in it or watching it. So, so you're a 14th seed in the in in, in the Bridgeport region. Do you, do you feel you got a fair shake? Is is that about how you thought it might shake out? Or, um, I think we're a better team than a 14th seed, but I'm not surprised. Um, you know, our, you know, we talked earlier our, our non-conference, our tough non-conference, really hurt us in terms of our net ranking. Um, I don't think Conference USA gets respected as well as it should. I mean, I think it's a really good women's basketball league, and it was very difficult this year uh, for us to win the league. Um, but I, and I also think that there is a bias for power five schools. I've always felt that way and I'm not afraid to say that. So, you know, when the 14 seed came up, I wasn't surprised, uh, but I do think that we are better than that seed. How, how did you guys react? How did the, how did the, uh, the team react when, when your name came up on the screen? We're excited. You know, we haven't seen Charlotte come up on the screen and the selection show in a long time. So we were fired up, you know, for us, it wasn't necessarily about the seed or the location or who we would play. You know, it was just knowing that we did what we set out to do this year, which was to win a conference championship, to get a bid to play in the, the tournament. And now we're there, and that's what we're looking forward to. And, and, and you're looking at a matchup with uh, Indiana on Saturday. Tell us about the Hoosiers. I mean, Big Big Ten basketball is, is partially in your blood, too. So Yeah, I mean, they're, they're really good, obviously. Um, I think what makes them so dangerous is they're such a balanced team. All of their starters are double figures in scoring. Um, they have a post player who missed a lot of games really in, in February and, and down the stretch just started to come back right around tournament time. And now I'm sure she'll be hundred percent. So that, that bolsters their lineup for sure. Um, you know, but they're tough. They're, they're really physical on the defensive end, you know, again, offensively, they have a ton of different weapons, um, and they're playing at home. So, I mean, it'll be a tall task for us, but, you know, again, it goes back to my philosophy in terms of how, how I schedule. You know, we played North Carolina and we played Iowa State, who's top 10. We played a road game at West Virginia. Now, they didn't make the tournament this year, but they are tough as heck at home. Um, you know, we played Delaware, who's NCAA tournament team. So, you know, we, it's a, the good thing is we're not going to walk in that environment and be like, whoa, we've never seen this before. Our kids will be fine. You know, they know how to compete against teams like that. Um, and we'll have a game plan and we're, we'll be ready. Well, what do you hope your kids take from the experience, win or lose? Well, I think the biggest thing I hope they take is that we belong on this stage. You know, it took us a long time to get back here and for a variety of reasons. I mean, our, our program has been good. We've been close. We just weren't able to kind of, you know, break that ceiling and get there. And so I think for me, the biggest thing is that they could see when you put the work in, when you really commit, 
um, that we can get there. And I want this to become something that is normal for, for Charlotte and not just something that, oh, we're happy to hear our name. Uh, I want this to be normal and I want them to, you know, just kind of take pride in the fact that when you do things the right way and you work hard, you know, that stuff works out and we belong on that stage. So how much of a deep breath will you take uh, at the end of the season, whenever that is? Uh, do you take a couple weeks off? Uh, I mean, I know you gotta, you're probably finishing your recruiting classes. How much of a, yeah. how much, how much of a no. breath do you get to take? Uh, not much, you know, we'll take, we'll take a couple days. Um, and then, you know, between finishing recruiting, going to the final four, you know, obviously we'll give our players a couple weeks off, but then we'll get a couple weeks to work with them prior to the summer. Um, you know, really basketball season doesn't end. It's, it's, it's become a year round thing. Um, it, it is important to have balance. You know, I, I'm a coach that, you know, I, I certainly want my, my coaches and my team to be able to take time off um, when we can and we will, but you know, the work, the work never stops. Right. Uh, how can we see your game on Saturday? Tell us, tell us what network and, and when, when you play Indiana. Yeah, we play Indiana Saturday at one thirty right, on right, ESPN. Go ahead, go ahead. Yeah, uh, it's ESPN. on ESPN two. ESPN two. Yeah, so we'll be on ESPN two at one thirty on Saturday. Okay, Correct. all right. Um, so thanks for doing this, Kara. It, it, it's been great having you on. I appreciate you making the time. It, it sounds like you need need to just relax a little bit on on, uh, <laughs> on, on, on the sideline during games. But uh, congratulations on all your success. And again, uh, thanks thanks for joining us here. So, well, I appreciate it. Thanks for having me on. Yep. Uh, my thanks to all of you for listening uh, to our new reporter Alexander Dacey, the producer Graham Cullen, and we appreciate you checking out the final score. March Madness is here, everyone. Enjoy, and we'll be back next week.